This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. We now have Alan Brody, CEO and founder of SA Harvest on the line. Alan, welcome to Chai FM. Thanks, Avi. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing very, very well. Alan, I launched into a whole introduction while I was waiting for you to join. But let me hand over to you now. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how SA Harvest started based on your lifelong friend's mission in Australia and where you guys are up to. So I was at King David High School. And uh, I was, my two brothers were, and my five children were also at King David, so we have some history there. And thereafter, I went to Wits University and then uh, straight on to Kibbutz, where I was a, a, a raftan, a dairy farmer, uh, for some years. And then, uh, due to some circumstances, I came back to South Africa, uh, went back to university, and basically since then, uh, spent my uh, career in marketing for the last 30 years or so. I had my own marketing services company for the last 25 years, which I uh, sold um, three years ago to start SA Harvest. Um, one of my, uh, my neighbor, not one of my, my neighbor, Ronnie Kahn, who was then Ronnie Hellman, we were next door neighbors um, in Sandringham. And um, we became lifelong friends. I mean, we went to the same school. Uh, same lift schemes. When I came home, my parents, being um, uh, very career-oriented, uh, um, uh, weren't there when I got back from school. So I used to go to her mom's place. She made the best bagels and peanut butter. <laughs> and so and so that was one of the main reasons why we kept a lifelong friendship. And she uh, left South Africa and went to – well, we both went to Israel together. She on another kibbutz. And then from there, she went to Australia. And I um, um, came back and um, uh, kept in contact with her all the time. She started about 17 years ago a company called Oz Harvest. She was in uh, the um, events business, and she found that there was an unbelievable amount of waste uh, that went uh, came from events. You know, people would spend X thousand uh, uh, dollars then on it, uh, Australian dollars, and 50% that went to waste. And we know that that's really part of the problem. So she couldn't stand seeing this and started delivering to uh, uh, people in need in her car. And this developed into what now has become a world-famous food rescue um, organization. She's done amazing work. She changed the law in, in Australia. She became, uh, she received the Order of Australia, which is the, this uh, uh, equivalent to getting the OBE. She's very famous in Australia. She's done amazing work, and 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 I promised her um, that I'd start. That she wanted to give back to her country of birth. I was keen to get into a a for purpose NGO um, life because I think there's so much to do. And so uh, three years ago, I went to Australia. I learned the business. Um, I was on their trucks, drove their trucks, delivered food, sat in finance meetings, operation meetings. And I learned the business, came back here and uh, started SA Harvest. I spent a year raising some money, which we got uh, mainly from expats in Australia because they knew what Ronnie did. She obviously endorsed me and what I was going to do. So people trusted it and gave us uh, some seed money to start the operation, um, which we did in Cape Town with one truck, one driver and me in Johannesburg. 
And that was when we launched was two years ago. And uh, uh, soon after we started, um, um, uh, uh, because Gidon Novik had been to Australia, he's got family there, had met Ronnie, and she had said, meet Gidon, he's terrific. And he became our chairman. And uh, we have an amazing relationship. And just in brief, in the, since the, in the two years that we've, that we've been around, we've delivered 11 million meals to people in need across the country. We started with one truck, one driver and me. We have now four branches We're in Cape Town, Durban, Joburg, and we've just opened up in George. And, uh, yeah, we're going full steam ahead in order to grow the business and to, to, to grow our impact in what is a catastrophic situation in South Africa. And in what I found absolutely amazing, first of all, Gidon Novik's a, a household name in South Africa. Everybody knows him um, for many, many years, very vocal on the air and, you know, about the industry, the particular industry that he's involved in. But what it really shows is that in order to run an efficient NGO, in order to deliver, it needs to be based on sound business principles the same principles that would guide starting a business, getting seed capital, making sure you're currently properly funded, making sure that there's accounting systems in place so there's accountability and there's continuity. You can't run an NGO efficiently unless it's not run on the same model. Am I correct? I mean, 100% correct. You know, um, there is this, uh, in, in a sense, a dichotomy. Many people think, you know, you're an NGO, you can be soft, and it's not business, you're 100% correct. And uh, if you don't run an NGO along the strictest and uh, most up-to-date um, business techniques and have the attitude of being in business like if you were a for-profit business, you'll fail. So <clears throat> that's the attitude we've taken. Obviously, Gidon, as you say, is uh, just an amazing guy and has been a great help in that regard. And, um, you know, we've got a fantastic team from all sorts of backgrounds who have been in business themselves. And so uh, put together, we're running a business and, 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 uh, and you're making a great point. And maybe let's just go a little bit back, just my personal interest. What kibbutz were you on in Israel? I was on a kibbutz called Mir Eliyahu which uh, in, in, it was founded for very, uh, a very interesting strategic reason because we boarded, our fields boarded with a town called Kalkilia on the West Bank. Right. And between Kalkilia and the sea was the shortest point across Israel. I mean, it's some uh -huh. 25 kilometers or something. So if you're going to cut Israel in half, that's where you would have started. Interesting. You said near Eliyahu because um, my son just finished about a two-year stint on a kibbutz called Mirim, which is on the Gaza border all the way down south. So just... Uh, uh, a, a similar okay. name. Okay, good. Um, and then what I want to go through is just from a logistic point of view, you've got 15,000 meals to deliver per day. The fact that it's spread over the provinces compounds the issue. You've got vehicles, you've got drivers, you've got therefore insurance, you've got uh, uh, fuel spend, and you've got, unfortunately, the typical South African challenges which is shrinkage, which is a nice way of saying theft. You've got all the other nonsense that comes into it. How do you manage that on a daily basis? As you say, it's a daunting task. 
um, being split up into, we do this via four branches. Each branch has a branch manager. Each branch has a logistics manager, people who know what they're doing. And uh, I must just tell you that we've um, taken great care in nurturing our team. And the team has become, and I've said it so many times, I have in all my life, including on the kibbutz, I've never come across more chavashat than exists in, in SA Harvest. I just get emotional about it. We got people, and this is not really for, you know, for gain. This is people who are so passionate about their work, who go the extra mile every day. And it's in that way, following strict, um, uh, you know, uh, patterns of, of organization. Um, we're able to have complete faith and trust in our people to get up and do the work. And that's how we're able to do it. I mean, it's costly. There's no doubt about it. You're talking about trucks. You're talking about um, um, services. You're talking about um, uh, petrol. You're talking about wages. You're talking about these things. But fortunately, uh, we've been successful in raising money, and we're able to do this. I'm not saying the money's uh, endless. We've got to be thinking very um, proactively and innovatively to make sure that we, we keep on getting revenue. But in terms of uh, getting it done, it at the moment works like clockwork, and that's mainly because of the the, the attitude and competencies of this team. And then I, I spent many years working with the International Red Cross and, and doing a lot of work with them. And the one term that I kept hearing over and over again was donor fatigue. And when I sort of tried to, from an economic point of view, understand what it really meant, what it really meant at the end of the day is, excuse the expression, I'm sick of wasting money against the wall. Um, I used the PC term there. Like, it's just enough. You keep asking for money. We keep giving you money, but there's, we don't see anything for it. We see hardware that's sitting and rotting and rusting. We see projects that don't happen. We see corruption on a massive scale. And yet, if the opposite is to happen, it's almost endless the amount of funding you can tap into when people feel that the money is going to a good cause and it's being used. And number two, this totally total accountability. Have you experienced a similar phenomenon? So, Abby, again, I think you're making a very important point. Personally, I don't believe in donor fatigue. I think that if you uh, have the right approach, the right um, attitudes, and you're dealing with the issues in the correct manner, which is often not in a very uh, linear um, way, and you're thinking about different options for investors. And I think that's another term. You know, we use the term donor. Uh, uh, we use the term donor. But if we start thinking about investment and the returns that they get through investing in in the the idea that your company has to solve the problem, then I think that you there's no shortage of donors. There is plenty of money in the world for this type of thing. I think if you go down the track in a very linear, um, unimaginative way, even if you even if you are transparent about your impact, people start thinking. Well, and I'll give. Let me just give you a quick example. In South Africa, 20 million people go to bed hungry every night, right? And 10 million tons of food goes to waste. Now you can say, well, we feed. Our mission is to end hunger. 
So you can say, yeah, we're feeding people. We get food. We take it to people. It's vitally important. But at the end of the day, people start asking us the question, is what you're doing ending hunger? And the answer to that is no. What we do is we provide charity and food, which is absolutely vital. Because without the NGO space, and I don't mean only as a harvest, of course, but without the NGO space, the catastrophe would be unbearable. There would be tens of thousands of people dying from hunger in South Africa. So the charity aspect is very important. But let's be frank. Charity has an indignity about it. It's mm -hmm. not sustainable. And in the, at the end of the day, it doesn't end hunger. What does end hunger is the systemic approach. In other words, dealing and intervening in issues, systemic issues that cause hunger in the first place. So to get back to your point, if we just stay with the charity side, we would have difficulty carrying on. Because people, um, uh, and again, I won't call it fatigue, but people start seeing um, a, a sort of repetitive way and not really the end solution. So by involving, and which we do in a big way, involving ourselves in projects that will make people less dependent on charity, more independent in terms of entrepreneurship and teaching, helping people to learn to fish, people start getting excited about what we're doing and the money comes in. There's so much I want to do, so let's, let me try being focused myself. One thing that I've found about you is this Mensch network, mensch.org.za. Listening to you, that's clearly what you are and all your compadres and what you're doing are. But you actually were bold enough to start an organization called Mensch.org.za. What's that all about? Sorry, are you talking about the organization called Mensch? Yes. Okay, so, I mean, I'm not sure uh, about the question because... Mensch, I know of them and I know about them. I, I, I've, I've spoken to them and they do amazing work, but I'm not that connected and not really, uh, uh, um, you know, not really tuned up to give you a, a good answer. Okay, sorry, because when you pull up your name, you come up on, on, the, on their landing page. So they're obviously quite chuffed with you. But uh, yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's get back to your organization. So what a lot of people are asking on the SMS line, is, okay, all good and well. How do we get involved? And, you know, Joe wants to know now, how do I get involved in a meaningful way? For many years, I worked for Meals on Wheels. That seems to have petered out, and I'm more than interested in getting involved. Is there space for me? So absolutely there is. You know, we always have the philosophy that people can donate in various ways. People can give of themselves in various ways. Firstly, in, in with time. Uh, the things that can be done depending on people's skills and what people would like to do. Uh, secondly, of course, uh, in, in money. Um, and thirdly, uh, of course, in, in their expertise in terms of uh, giving of themselves and, 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 and their own uh, personal abilities. So I think the best thing is for people to phone me directly only with pleasure on 0826511313. They can phone me only with pleasure or go to our website, saharvest.org, and uh, contact us by, in, in that way. And we have a chat, see if, whatever people want to do, how they want to get involved at whatever level. And I'm, I'm totally open to, to uh, it would be a pleasure to talk to people on that basis.
And then what people also want to know is that, do you have a full-time staff complement? Um, and, you know, how is that funded? Okay, so we do have a full-time staff uh, of about uh, 15, 16 full-time, including, of course, drivers, store uh, warehouse managers, and so on. A lot of our senior staff are, are outsourced um, personnel who have great expertise. Like, for example, our, our, our marketing lead is Sina, and uh, she used to work for Google for 14 years and heard about us, and she took a sort of gap and is helping us and has done absolutely amazing work. But it's more as a consultant. Yet, when, 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 and, and we do that with both marketing people, our, our digital uh, platform developers, also consultant. But it's, it's, it's strange how they get, even as consultants, sucked into this, this vibe, which is so indescribable that, that you, even if you ask them, they, they become full time. But technically they're still consultants. But yeah, how we, how we, uh, uh, pay for our people. And by the way, it's another interesting point on that business NGO side is that there's a big debate or the, the, it was more some years ago about NGOs. You know, we're an NGO. We can't pay our people properly. The fact of the matter is NGOs who don't pay their people properly at market related or almost market. And I say almost advisedly market related prices fail because they're not getting the best people. And so we've had a principle of um, paying our people uh, wages that is above the standard and uh, salaries that are very close to market-related salaries because we want the best, because the best are able to make a greater impact where it's required. And then please to stay on the line. We need to run to the shops quickly just to play a few adverts. Please hang with us. We'll be with you for a moment. This is RV on Business. Welcome back to 101.9. Hi, FM. And then coming back to you, before we run out of time, I think that would be incorrect if we didn't allow you to give a few moments to just mention those organizations that have really allowed you to keep the wheels turning in your, in, in your, your, in your NGO SA Harvest. Who are, who's the backbone behind your company from a donation point of view? So, uh, you know, Avi, uh, there are so many that they're very difficult to, to, to enumerate them, uh, and, and, and talk about uh, each one. Uh, there's been a, uh, a, a donation is not the right word, but support from uh, a local uh, Jewish, um, businessman who's preferred to remain anonymous, but he's, uh, perhaps the most successful Jewish businessman ever in South Africa. And, uh, you know, he's done business all over the world. And uh, recently, um, well, not relatively recently, has done extremely well in the United States. And they've been absolutely amazing to us and uh, have probably given us to this point about 40% of our revenue. And uh, it's just, it's just uh, opened our eyes. We've had expats. Um, um, donations from Australia, um, people who want to give back to South Africa, and there've been uh, uh, um, guys who also other experts. One from London, one from Israel, all South Africans who've, who've, who've been amazing. But I have to tell you, 
that uh, while, of course, we, we deeply appreciate that without them, we're not in business. The people in the industry, too, in the food industry, from farmers through to manufacturers and retailers, have, have been amazing, given us great support, especially in terms of the donation of food. And then there's a, sec- there's a, there's a section of what we do. We deliver to beneficiaries who, whom we vet properly, and they um, um, feed the people in need. The beneficiaries are the most amazing South African people. And uh, beyond everything, one, this, this, nothing in South Africa in terms of food rescue and, and, and the alleviation of hunger can compare to what these men and women do on a daily basis. So when it comes to gratitude, it's to everybody uh, and to, to the beneficiaries that we have. It's just a, a huge uh, debt that we owe. And then maybe to, you know, put it in stark perspective, one of the YouTube videos of yours that I, I was listening to, you gave a description of what 20 million people would be like. Could you maybe share that with us again? Because it, to me, it was profound. Because as you say, you know, 20 million is a big figure, it's shame and you move on. But you said that if 20 million people had to walk past you at a, was it a, a five seconds per person, 24 yeah. hours a day, it would take four months for them to file past you. Yeah, and the line would go from here to up to Egypt. So um, the fact of the matter is, maybe I can put it in a different way. I'm sorry, you are breaking up a bit, so I hope I, I, hope I got the whole question. But to put it in perspective, um, 20 million people go to... Uh, go, go hungry every day in South Africa. Most of those going to sleep hungry every day. Now, 20 million people feed them three times a day for a year. You would require 22 billion meals. Now, 10 million tons of food goes to waste every year. If you take in our, in our um, industry, there's more or less, which is regarded as a meal is 333 grams. So it's, more or less three meals per kilogram. So if you take uh, 10 million tons, that's 28 billion meals that goes to waste every year. Yeah. And and it's, it, yeah, it's, it makes it easier to like blow your mind away when we, and it's not just that figure. Now the fact of the matter is that we we in South Africa have a surplus of food, and 20 million people go to go hungry every day. There's, that's absolutely abominable that that exists in a country where there's a surplus of food. And you know, Section 27A of the, our Constitution states that every South African citizen is entitled to food, enough food. And this is not happening. And so one of the things that SA Harvest is doing, and you can go onto our website, we have a petition, is demanding from the government that this, this, um, this uh, right is fulfilled. And it's, you know what, if you have a look at it, it's not such a huge, complex thing. It's six or seven actions that the government must put in place to make a massive difference to the situation. Alan Brody on the line with us, founder and CEO of SA Harvest. Go have a look at their website. It is absolutely phenomenal. The work that's done, and not done once, not just as a campaign, not once a year, every single day. And what intrigues me is that this is an NGO run on sound business principles with a team of experienced business people taking all that, 
knowledge, know-how and proficiency and putting it into this organization so that it runs efficiently and it does what it's meant to do. And then we're out of time. So just quickly finish off the question I asked you before. If you had to set up in Parliament tomorrow morning, besides having to put on a suit and a tie and all that, what would you say to Parliament and what would you demand? So um, on our uh, on our website, in terms of the petition, there are several demands, but but I'll I'll deal with one. Firstly, it's it's very interesting, and and by the way, this example came out of Britain in in the Second World War when there was terrible hunger. What they did was they formed a quite logically and very successfully they formed a Ministry of Food. Now, if you take South Africa, there's three departments, three ministries that deal with food. There's, there's uh, agriculture, there's health, and uh, the third one just slips my mind. But, you know, when you when you look at the efficiencies in, and I'm not saying it's, 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 uh, it's uh, for South Africa alone, when you look at efficiencies in government departments, how do you expect the things that have to be done to alleviate hunger to be done efficiently by three departments when there's, when there's inefficiencies in each department? So the first thing that we're demanding from the government is that they form a ministry of food with a minister of food who will look at this situation alone and start intervening in the areas that they can. So one of the great um, um, disadvantages of our broken food chain, and I could go into that for a long time, Avi, but I know we're short of time. But one of the things that has happened is that poorer people have lost easy access to affordable, nutritious food. So that's what's happened. Small farmers have gone out of business because in the end, the retailers control the food chain. And and there's tremendous downward pressure on the prices from farmers. So in order to survive as a farmer, you can't have like near Eliyahu where I work. We had 600 milk, we had 600 cows, 300 milkers a day, and it was a good business. Today, you need 6,000 cows and more to be able to survive. So the middle to small farmer uh, 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 went out of business at a huge rate. And this affected the, the food chain so that in the end, people are forced to buy with from the fourth or the fifth or even the sixth margin instead of as close to farm gate prices as possible. And so that's one of the things that we're working on. The other thing that we demand is that they they make it very easy, not difficult as there is now, but the easiest possible way with huge support for informal traders to work. Because informal traders are the people that are working in townships and poorer areas, and they're able to source food um, in a different way. And, and as a result, their food is largely affordable. So protect them. Don't um, knock them off pavements when they're trying to food. We we live in a we live you know we get sometimes have an identity crisis. We think that we're a first world country. We are, and we've got to live with the solutions of the third world developing mentality. So all these things, um, you know, it, it, it require a very different mindset, and 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 that's what we're after. And just to maybe end off and put it in perspective, I remember when the first lockdown came in South Africa, they interviewed a lady selling food at Cape Town um, train station. And her her answer was very simple. If I don't sell food today, my children don't eat tonight. So I'm more than happy to stay home with pleasure. 
please deliver food to me every night so that my children can eat. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you guys are doing with dignity and with, um, with a way of sense of purpose and making things happen. Alan, we're out of time and we could talk forever. First of all, from the greater community and more specifically from the Jewish community, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. And um, please be in touch. Uh, give out your number again quickly. All right, sir. 651-1313. Great. Alan Brody, thank you so much and all the best to you. Thank you very much, Avi, and all the best to you. And I appreciate you having me on your great show. Thanks, Avi. <laughs> Pleasure. Alan Brody, please go have a look at the website, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for helping. Have a great day. See you next week. Goodbye.